First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Read me the first six verses if you would. Tell you this morning, let's stand as we read God's word. The book of Ezra, when they read the law of God, all the people stood. Imagine reading the first five books of the Bible and staying the whole time. First Thessalonians chapter 2. Read with me in verse 1. For you yourselves, brother, no entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not a deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth the hearts. For neither at any time used be flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Now, Father, bless the reading of your word. Pray, Father, this, this morning, God, your spirit would minister to my heart and my life, Lord. And I pray this morning that we'd all, Lord, grow more like Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you, Father, for those here this morning. Pray, Father, you'll draw near to us. We might worship you in spirit and truth. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've been studying the book of 1 Thessalonians now for, I don't know, about 6, 8, 10 weeks, I guess. Come through that thing, and I don't know if you've picked it up yet, but the Thessalonians was a, was a church that was founded by Paul with about three or four weeks' time with them in the city. And the whole time that he, he was there and the time after they left, the church was in nothing but turmoil. He says in verse 2, he says, But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of Christ with much contention. Turn back to Acts chapter 16. Let's look for a little bit of the history of where we're at. I won't spend the whole time here this morning, but... Take a second and read some verses. Now follow along with me as we read here about 15 or 18 verses as we uh, attempt to follow the story of what's going on with Paul. Some very exciting reading. This is the stuff that your docudramas are made out of on TV. Look what it says in Acts 16. Begin with me in verse 16. He's in the city of Philippi. and says, It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, uh, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up to get together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison 
and made their feet fast in the stocks. They go to Philippi. We didn't read it this morning, but they lead a lady to Christ named Lydia. She was a seller of purple. And they were meeting in her house and working this thing out at Philippi, which is where the book of Philippians was written, this church in this city. And so they're there in Philippi, and all of a sudden there's this lady, and they had some real influential people that had a, a demon-possessed gal. And that people would bring their problems to this demon-possessed lady, and she would tell the future. And she would do all kinds of soothsaying and fortune-telling. And the, these men were getting rich off of her and the spirit that inhabited her. Well, Paul walking by the thing saw it, and the Bible says he just couldn't take anymore. So he said, evil spirit, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. And the spirit came out of her. Well, the guys saw that she was different and changed and couldn't tell the future and, you know, was not a source of revenue for them anymore. So they got mad. They grabbed Paul and Silas and took him down to the marketplace and got him down there. And the Bible says that they said, hey, you know, you read the charges that they said against him. So they took him and they ripped off their clothes and they beat him the Bible with many stripes. I mean, they were probably just a good public flogging, man. And had him to the place where they were just uh, bloody and torn and, and, and just in sad shape. And they came to the place to where uh, they then took him and thrust him into the prison. And the jailer was said, don't you let these boys get away. So he took him and put him in the inner prison. And when he got him in the very inner prison, he put their hands and their feet in stocks. Now can't you see here's the Apostle Paul, you know, the little short hook-nosed Jew and Silas in there with him, sitting there on the floor in the inner prison with their feet in wooden stocks and their hands in wooden stocks. Just sitting there, man, bleeding all over the place, and the sores open, and the, the dust on the ground getting in their sores. And I mean, they're just they're just a mess. They've not had any medica medical treatment. They've been flogged, and their skin is torn, and they're just they're in sad shape. Verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. And Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul's heart. Can't you see the thing in your mind? They're sitting there in this pitch black dungeon, their hands and their feet, and I mean it's midnight, and everybody's just starting to get comfortable and sack out the night, all the murderers and robbers and rapists and everything are sitting there together, and all of a sudden you hear, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And there's old Paul Silas, man, just having a good old-fashioned prayer meeting. Can't you see the old guys in the cell? Paul says, Oh, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for what you've done. We thank you for the precious Lord Jesus and the blood of Christ. Ah, shut up over there! Oh, Father, we just want to praise your name for what you've done. We just want to thank and praise you for the, the great and mighty things you've done. Lord, we thank you that, you that you cast the devil out of the woman. Lord, and we thank you that we were counted worthy to have been beaten and received many stuff. Hey, shut up, I said! And Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for what you've done. And he's going through that thing. And Paul prays about 30 minutes and Silas prays about 45 minutes and they stop every once in a while and sing praises to God, just singing psalms and just having a great time and just being, being, um, uh, just, just being free in the Spirit of God while they're laying there bleeding on the floor. 
And the Bible says that they prayed suddenly there was a great earthquake and that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And can't you see the thing? I mean, they're sitting there singing. And they're like, I shot the ground off, I'm asleep, you know. And they're sitting all of a sudden there's an earthquake and everybody's shackles just, just fall off their hands and their feet. And the, and the jail guard hearing the thing and hearing the doors open as they rattle open, he goes and gets a pitch black, man. They can't even see the hand on their face. And he's away with a torch and he sees all the doors open and see things and he takes a sweat to impale himself because his life would be forfeited in a much more painful way for the prisoner's escape. So he's got the sword up to kill himself and Paul says, hey, 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 we're all here. Don't do yourself no harm. Bible says in verse 29 that, that, the, that the, the jailer came in, he fell down before Paul and Silas in verse 30 and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou, and, and, pardon me, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake in the words of the Lord and, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. Well, it gives you great insight to the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? I mean, it gives you great insight to the Apostle Paul. I know that if I were put in a position where I had to go through extreme physical uncomfort, the last thing in the world I'd want to do would be a baptized guy. If I was sitting in a prison somewhere flogged up and in chains and shackles where I couldn't scratch my nose and I couldn't rub the burning sores, I would be sitting there crying in my beer, sitting there just complaining and moaning and having all kinds of complaints. Oh, Lord God, why? Oh, Lord God, I'm suffering for Jesus. Oh, Lord God, why? And not understanding that in a few minutes God would cause an earthquake and let me lead the jailer to Christ. And it gives us great insight into the fact that is Paul saying in our text in 2 Thessalonians that everything that happens physically to us we've got to ignore and continue on toward that mark that God set before us. We've got to say no matter what the physical circumstances that may come around say God what are you attempting to do in my life? Say Lord why are you doing what you're doing? God why did you cause me to work here? Lord why did you caused this dead, or God, why did you do this, or God, why did you do that, and instead of bewailing and mourning the situation, look to see what God is going to do in the situation. Let me ask you a question. If Paul and Silas had been typical Baptists sitting in the prison crying and bewailing and calling Jerry Falwell to march around the prison, you know, with signs and figures, what would have happened? The, the earthquake would never have happened, would it? And the, the Philippian jailer would never have been saved. But you see, they understood a principle that I, I begin teaching you this. What is the real world? Spiritual. The spiritual. Paul understood that. See, Paul understood that the marks in his body said in Corinthians were nothing more than the marks of Jesus Christ. It was, it was part of the price he was paying for the salvation and being used mightily of God. That's a lesson that we don't know about in, in 20th century America. We don't understand the fact that if God is going to use you, there is a cost. We don't understand the fact that if God is going to use your life to effectively reach someone or a group of people or a mass of people, there, my friend, will be great cost to you to do that. Not only in your own personal inconvenience, 
but also in many other areas, no matter what they are. And I'm not saying that, that you will be thrown in prison and beat with many stripes. You have to be willing to have that happen. But it's, it goes right back to the heartitude. You need to come to the place where you say, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it, it, it demands of me to be God's man, Lord, that's what I'm willing to do. We're going to sing a song in Sunday school or in church afterwards that talks about I'll go where you want me to go, I'll be what you want me to be. You know, whatever it takes, that's what I want to be for Jesus Christ. And that's the heart who just got to be. You say, Paul got flogged, and it's easy to think about the flogging that happened, but do you realize the church of Philippi was established? And when you read the book of Philippians, that was a great church. That was a church he had much to say bad things about. He goes to Thessalonica. He's only there three weeks. He's running out of town on the rail. What happens? The church of Thessalonica is established, and the word of God goes to the whole region round about, in Macedonia and Achaia and all the regions. So much the fact that Paul said in chapter 1, I don't need to speak anything to anybody because you've done the job. So Paul received the word of God in much affliction. Now turn back to Second Thess or First Thessalonians for me, please, and let me tie this together for you. Read me verse 2 again. <coughs> you guys, are you all awake this morning? Amen? Give me a, say amen for me this morning. Amen. Let's, let's try this a little differently. Let's say praise the Lord. Try that this morning. Praise now let's pretend like you're in heaven. And let's pretend that the rapture just took place and right now the first thing you see is God hiding up on His throne and you've got the body like Christ. Let's try saying praise the Lord this morning. Try it. <laughs> but I tell you, what was the what? The Q. The Q. You want a Q? Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. That's better. Now, you love the Lord this morning? Yeah. See, you came here to worship, or so-called. What is worship? That's getting down to your faithful God and telling Him how great He is and how scummy you are. That's what worship is. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know of Philippi, which we just read, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. I've had several times in my life where I have been threatened bodily harm for preaching. And I remember the first time, I, mean, I probably told you a story about the mission, Remember the first time that happened, we were driving back out I-70 from that thing, and I was saying, never again, I'm never going back there again, I'm, ne I'm not going to do it, I I'm never going, and I mean, it, I mean, it was the place where there was great physical danger that could have happened, and it shook me up to the place to where I said, no more. And Paul is saying in verse 2 that, hey, even after the things happened to me, and I was still bleeding when I got to your city, we were still bold to preach the word. And then we had contention again. You see what I'm saying? You see what Paul's teaching us there? For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor of guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Now let me stop for a second. The rest of our time will be spent this morning on talking about pleasing God. Pleasing God. Now, grab with me um, chapter 4, verse 1 of the same book. Chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says in 4, 1, 4 more, uh, Furthermore, 
Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. It's every believer's job to please God. Now let me say that again. Every one of us here have an obligation to please God. That you're commanded to please God. Grab me Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. It's one book back before 1 Thessalonians. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Now the Bible says in chapter 1 verse 10 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all, what? Pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Now let me ask you a question. What's acceptable of God? What pleases God? What can you do as a man or as a woman today that will make God smile? What can you do that will be acceptable in God's eyes? Turn back to the book of Romans, chapter 14. The book of Romans, chapter 14. Romans, chapter 14, and look at me in verse 18. The Bible says in Romans 14, 18, For he, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. In what things? Well, we got to go back to verse uh, 16. Okay? Now, says, let not your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approveth men. Let me ask you a question. Now, talk to me now here, okay, please? What is the kingdom of God not? Meat and drink. How would you summarize those two things? Okay, the worldly. What else? Tangible. Tangible, get closer. That's spelled wrong, that's okay. I think your eyes not supposed to be in there. What else? What else would you say those things are? Would you say possibly physical? Now the things that do please God, what are those? Righteousness. righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here seen righteousness this morning? Did Roger, did, did Sue say to you on the, on the way here, look at that righteousness in the field over there. Did she say that on the way over? What's the next one? Joy. And what? Peace in the Holy Ghost. Now, does they, have any of you seen the Holy Ghost this morning? Did, you, did, did, uh, did uh, Rose say this morning, Terry, um, boy, I hear something in the front room in the church and there. Let's see the Holy Ghost walking up and down. Did, did, did that happen? No. He's here, but you don't see him. Why? He's spiritual. Amen? Now, if you're going to please God, you've got to come to the place to where this is the realm that you serve God in. For in these things, that's acceptable to God. In those things. Now let me make application. Paul's in Philippi. What did they do to him? 
stripped him down, beat him and threw him in prison, right? Is that physical or is that spiritual? What is it? Stripped him down, throw him in prison, beat him. What is it? That's physical. Was Paul shaken by that? Verse 2 of our text. He said, but even after we were shaved and beaten, we were bold in our God. In our God. See, it's spiritual in the Holy Ghost. Now, let me be very honest with you and talk to you as a pastor for just a moment, okay? I'm going to put on my sweater and put on Jimmy Carter. Talk to you very nicely. The devil knows you. In fact, last night in our Bible study, we saw back there in Exodus or Ezekiel that he knows all things. Now, he knows your weaknesses, he knows your strengths. You believe that? Now, let me let me let me exhort you and warn you as a pastor. The devil is going to take you and he is going to throw things into your life that are going to be the most effective roadblock that's going to slow you down or stop you or cause you to crash. Now, those things are many times going to deal with your body. Okay? Those things many times are going to deal with your physicalness. They're going to deal with, with location. They're going to deal with uh, convenience, inconvenience. They're going to deal with even pain and suffering. Now question, what if after the devil took Paul and threw him in jail and beat him, what if Paul had said, well, I've been a good Christian, I've earned my keep, I think I'll take a six-month vacation. And I think I'll go back to Jerusalem and sit in the pew and teach a Sunday school class. What would have happened? No one at Thessalonica would have been saved. Macedonia, Achaia would never have heard about Jesus Christ, would they? Now you say, that was the Apostle Paul. He's no different than you are. Do you think beating him and beating you hurts any less for him? Honestly. Do you think if a man is flogged, do you think it hurts him less because he has a title? You think I would hurt less because I have a passion for my name than you will because you don't? Now, honestly. Now, understand, my brethren, we have this false concept in America that there's a division between the laity and the clergy. I hate those words. I am just like you are. I am no different than you are. Your obligation to me is the same as my obligation to you, and all those people out there that are going to hell, we have the same obligation to them. You have the same obligation I do. Now, if you can get in your mind the principle that whatever physical things that happen in my life, whatever inconveniences, whatever things occur in my life that would slow me down, you need to be living so much in the Spirit of God that those things are merely an inconvenience. Let me ask you a question. Where does your strength come from? Where does Christ reside? Inside? Why then? Why then should you or should we allow the physicalness of our bodies 
to stop the spiritual power that Christ gives us. See, Paul gives us the principle. In fact, let's turn over there. Uh, 1 Corinthians. Everyone say, me, oh, where I'm weak, there I'm strong. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says in verse 6, he said, for, I, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but, but, not, uh, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which seemeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation which was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, um, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, and it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my what? Infirmities, that's another word for sicknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My brother, my sister, give ear. If you are strong today physically, you are probably weak spiritually. If you are rested and strong and feel great, you are probably weak spiritually. And God says that when you are yourself weakest, then I can be the strongest. The stronger you are, the more you subdue me. But yet, the weaker you are, the stronger I am. Do you realize for Paul to be used like he was, he probably had to lose his eyesight and become blind? Now can't you imagine Paul? He probably could see a little. Can't you see Paul kind of walking down the roads out there in strange lands, didn't know where he was at, as a, blind, as a virtual blind man walking around trying to win people to Christ? I mean, can you imagine the, the, uh, the great price that would happen? I mean, can you imagine if you lost your eyesight and you dumped any help, just you and you took off, say, to West Virginia today to start churches? You say, why did God take his eyes away so he could be used greater? Because if he had his eyesight and everything God had shown him and God had done through him, he would have gotten puffed up and proud. So God had to give him a thorn in the flesh and take away his eyes so that he'd be, he'd be a humble, a humble man. So that God could use him even further. So then God had to take him and beat him. Turn over to 1 Corinthians, please. Um, I want the thing that I bear in my body the marks of Jesus Christ. So somebody sees it there. Maybe it's still 2 Corinthians. Let me look. There it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I apologize.
He says in 2 Corinthians 11.23, he says, um, Are they the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I more. That's what he says. In labor is abundant, in stripes above measure. I've had more beatings than I can count, is what he's saying. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent than any of the other apostles I've been in jail more. In deaths off. He says, I even, do you realize, I believe, and I can't dogmatically prove this to you, I believe when they had DePaul over there Jerusalem and they stunned nothing for dead, I believe he died and God resurrected him. You say, what do you mean? Remember he was taken up to heaven and seen things, wasn't probable, in the body, out of the body, didn't know? Now, I can't prove this to you, but I personally believe that they killed him there and God took him to heaven. He saw the glory and then God sent him back and resurrected him. Because I promise you, my friend, after a bunch of boys with some great big stones go to kill you, I'm sure that there's not a lot left and much doubt. It's not like getting stabbed in the stomach once and left for dead. It's like being pulverized and beaten until your body is disfigured. You understand what I'm saying? A bunch of boys want to kill you with 13 or 15 pound stones. There's not a lot left. And he says, of death's oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. He says, five times I was beaten 39 times. 39 stripes. Well, it doesn't take much multiplication to 39 times 5 to think what his back must look like. He says, thrice I was beaten with rods. I mean, imagine a big old two-inch dowel or three-inch dowel and then taking those things, those big old bruises, beating him in the ribs and the kidneys with those big dowels, those big rods, and what is what is back and his broken ribs and what must have happened out of that beating. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I mean, can you imagine? You guys got mad at me this morning because I said something you didn't like and you decided to take me out in the back and stone me. Would you throw rocks at my feet? How many people throw rocks at my feet to kill me? Where would you throw the rocks at? There's unrest in the camp. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't hear what he said. Head. 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 I was stoned, he said, thrice I suffered shipwreck. I mean, can't you the Apostle Paul out there on a, about a six-foot plane out there in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea floating around, man? Can't you see him after three or four days after drinking salt water after a shipwreck? He says, a, a night and a day have I been in the deep. Can't you see him? Thirty-six hours he's out there, man, or, you know, out there floating around in the water. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers. In perils of by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, <laughs> in watchings often, I'm always looking over my shoulder, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Can you imagine? You guys have never pastored. But could you imagine taking care of like 20 churches and all their problems and squabbles and fightings? He says, that right there is a full-time job. He says, all those things that happen to me without, I've still got the care of the churches upon me. He goes on. Who is weak? And I am not weak. 
who is offended, and I burn not. Nobody says in verse 30, 30. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. You say, what's the, what's the principle here, Dave? The principle here is this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say I go Pete does, and this is not intentionally. You just never know where you're kicking. I know what it's like to work a full-time job, and I know what it's like to try and maintain a family, and I know what it's like to try and keep things together. I really do. Those things are some of the greatest traps that the devil will ever use in your life to keep you from finding what God wanted for your life. If Paul could have stopped at Philippi and done what God wanted to do, but you know what he missed? He'd have missed the rest of his life what God had planned for him. Now you may have up till this point done what God wants you to do, and we praise God for that. But I exhort you, my brother, that you will take this thing and you will then take it and use it to let it grow and use it to say, now, hey, I, God, need the spiritual insight that as these things come into my life to let me know what things are important and what things aren't. To let me know that this time maybe of just rushing home from work and, and, and you know, washing your face and washing your hands and running off to whatever ministry or church, whatever God's got for you, that may one day be the cost that you have got to do. And I think we would all agree that having to rush home and maybe skip dinner one night to, to do what God wanted you to do is far short of what Paul had to do being beaten 150 plus times. Amen? These messages are so easy to let say, yeah, preach it to him, Dave. Go ahead, nail him. Nail him high to the wall. Go right ahead, Dave. But you've got to stop and say, Am I willing, no matter what, am I willing, no matter what, to let Jesus Christ have his way with me totally? See, we get right back to the thing here. What pleases God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Not meat, not drink, not jobs, not careers, not family life, not this, not that. Do you understand? The thing that God wants from you is a is to put yourself aside and live in the spiritual world. And as Julia said last night so aptly, we've been living 30 or 40 years in the physical world. And it's hard to just at one moment take 40 years of physical living and set it aside to all of a sudden walk in a new realm. So what do I do? I do this. I find my eraser first. That's what I do. Somewhere. Aha, I hit it. Here's what you do. And I haven't even got to the message this morning. It'll go till next week. I guess I could preach at church. Goes like this. Who should I pick on this morning? Who should I pick on? Who? Me. Okay, here's Tammy. <laughs> I gotta be nice to you. I can't draw funny pictures of you up here, Tammy. Just make me big. Just make you. <laughs> Here's Tammy. Not big. Enough. Not big. Enough. I'm nice. I wanted to come back. Now here's Tammy. Now Tammy is say she is attempting to make this thing this change. Now, 
she is coming through life here and she is seeing this spiritual world. She comes to Bible study like last night and God begins opening her eyes to see things she's never seen before. Then, of course, she's got this world down here that's physical, that she's been living in all of her life. Now you say, what is she to do? She is to then begin to differentiate between the two. That's the starting point. Now, if you're brand new to what I'm saying, then let's, let's start here. Starting your life this week saying what's physical, what's spiritual. What's going to make, what's going to get points in heaven? Spiritual. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stones, amen? Anybody want to go to heaven to, to a load of hay? No, no. So you begin differentiating what is spiritual. What is important to me? What is important in my lifestyle? Now then, as you walk down this road here, and, and as you get through and as these things come about, these things will attempt you from atta uh, attaining the spiritual. The physical will attempt to stop you from attaining the spiritual things God wants for your life. It's like Terry and I talk often. Your job is going to get in the way. But you can't let the attitude of the job keep you from being where God wants you to be when you can be there. Now, I'm not saying quit your job, and that's, that's absurd. The point being this, come on in. The, the point being this, that we want you to begin to see the physical things as being nothing more than tools to increase the spiritual things. Now, I've got to talk vaguely here, you know, because, you know, I don't, I don't want to kick where I'm not supposed to kick, but I also, you know, I, 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 there's so many things we can do because this involves two whole worlds. So you take the, the physical things of this world and, you, and you've got to allow those things to fall into second place to this. The whole thing boils down to heart attitude. The whole thing boils down to what's first in your life. That's the heart. Remember, I've taught you several messages that go right along with this thing. One of them, there's tapes back at that table on the fear of the Lord. Remember, I taught you that if there's anything in this world you fear more than God, it's wrong. And the fear of what God will do should motivate you to get rid of all the other fears. For example, if Sam and Terry both were after me to do me bodily harm. Boy, I'm talking about hurting myself this morning, aren't I? Now, I'm not making you have two big men here. Let's just say that Terry's a little, little heavier than Sam is. Let me tell you, a lot heavier than Sam is. Now, just on relative of physical size, if Sam was there and Terry was there, and I looked at Terry's silhouette and I looked at Sam's silhouette, which one would I probably go to? I'd probably go to Sam's, right? Why? Because he's more my size. Same thing with God. There are many things in this world you fear, but God's bigger than the two. I fear God more than I fear man. So henceforth, I am going to respond to God's fear before I respond to man's fear. And if that's new to you, get the tape. And that's an example of taking this thing and saying, heart attitude, heart attitude. 
Why am I doing what I'm doing? What is first in my life? What is the thing in my life that I need most to know and to understand for those things that will not come in? Now let me say this to you. And be honest with me. Give me an honest response, not publicly, but in your own mind. What if this afternoon you came home and there was on your house spray painted uh, quit going to that church or we'll burn you out. That happened last week. No, just kidding. Let's just say it would happen. You say, that's ridiculous. I know of some instances that are similar. Happened in Kansas City. Now, what if that would happen? Would you be here next week? Would you? Honestly now. I mean, you got your new couch. I mean, I just got my waterbed set up halfway yesterday. I mean, you know, what if, what is it? What if, huh? Let him burn. What if, what if your kids came home from school Monday night and said, the, the bunch of big bullies said, if we didn't quit going to that church, or if I didn't quit carrying my Bible to school, that they were going to beat me up every day. And they'd taken the black bull eyes and blood his nose and it had just done him good. Do you see what I'm saying to you? There may be physical ramifications that will be the that will that will be things to sidetrack you. Now those are those are obviously extremes. But job, but family, and all those things will then can become physical things that get in the way of spiritual progress. Paul said, they beat me 40 times. I'm sitting in a, in a prison. Praise God. Why? His strength was in the Holy Ghost, not in his own body. Do you understand? His strength was in God. You say, what is the key? Knowing him and having a relationship with him. See, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ suffered and died for you. Grab me, please, and with this I'll close. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Philippians 1, 29. Now remember, we just read the account of Philippi. Now remember, we just read the place where, where Paul was beaten and thrown in prison. That happened at this place we're reading. Okay? Now look what he says in Philippians chapter 1, and he says, um... Verse 20. He says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I'll be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ might be magnified in my body, whether by what? Life or by death. My brother, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought that thing, would I die for him? I find among young Christians that are really getting a handle on Christianity that that question comes up because they get fearful that they won't die for him and yet they want to so bad they want to go all the way for Jesus verse 21 now look at it for me to live is what Christ and to die is gain we talked about this last night but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having desired to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, 
to abide in the flesh is more evil for you. If I gave up the ghost and died right now, I'd be a much happier person. But you need me. So he's talking about suffering. And he gets down to verse 29. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. You know what he's saying? Just like you saw him drag me down into the main lobby, rip off my clothes, beat me with many stripes, he says, understand that that same conflict God's called you to. Understand that just like Christ had to suffer, you've got to suffer. If you're going to be glorified with him, you've got to suffer with him. Now, if you don't get the attitude the first time it gets rough physically and you back out, do you understand you're, you're halted? Do you understand you're stopped? That's why you've got to come to the place to where you've got to say, for me to live is Christ. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You've got to begin separating spiritual from physical. you got to follow Colossians 3. Set your affections on things above, not on the earth. Separating spiritual from physical. you understand? Are there any questions? See, I'm asking you, I'm teaching you a radical lifestyle. I'm teaching you something that's not probably taught in many churches this morning. You say, why? Because if you're going to be effective effectively used for God, this is the starting place. Saying nothing in this world is going to keep me from doing the job God's called me to do. Nothing. And it's easy in a carpeted, heated, lighted room with a bunch of believers to say, Amen, praise the Lord. But it's really rough when you're out there by yourself and there's no way but you and God. But you see, it takes the fortitude and the maturity in Christ to say, I am going to be God's man no matter what the cost. I am going to stand if all of us leave. I'm going to be your, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, Eliezer, one of God's mighty men, and I'm going to, when all the nations of Israel leave and leave me out to myself, that I'm going to let the sword claim in my hand. Amen?